This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, July 6, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Iowa City, Iowa. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, pickup sales thrust forward to double-digit gains in Q2. A deadly fire engulfs a cargo ship carrying cars in New Jersey, and Stellantis releases details of its medium EV platform. Plus, we hear from the CEO of the newest company trading on the New York Stock Exchange, Finia, which recently spun off from supplier Borg Warner. We're going to be very focused on commercial vehicle, aftermarket, larger gasoline applications, you know, SUVs, trucks that we think are going to be around for a long, long time and helping our customers transition from traditional fuels to carbon free and carbon neutral. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Ford Motor Company's two brands continue to diverge on the sales front. A 34% jump in F-Series pickups propelled the Ford line to an 11% increase in the second quarter. It is the second consecutive quarterly gain for Ford. Meanwhile, Lincoln sales dropped for a third straight quarter. It saw a 15% decline in the period. Ford said its gross vehicle stocks in the U.S. totaled 409,000 at the end of June. That's up from 383,000 at the close of May. For the industry overall, June's sales pace was the third highest of the year so far. Motor Intelligence says the seasonally adjusted annualized rate of sales for June came in at 15.8 million. That's near the high end of forecasts. While mired below 15 million for much of 2022 due to extremely low inventory levels, the SAR has hovered at or well above that level each month in 2023. Two firefighters have died and several more have been injured while battling a fire on a cargo ship carrying cars in Newark, New Jersey. According to several news reports, a fire broke out in five to seven floors of the ship. The vehicle carrier, owned by the Grimaldi Group, had 1,200 new and used vehicles and 157 containers aboard. That's according to a statement reported by the New York Times. Grimaldi told the Times that there were no electric cars or hazardous cargo on the ship nor was it spilling fuel or in danger of sinking. It was immediately unclear which automakers have vehicles on the ship. This is a developing story. You can find the latest at autonews.com. Analysts say that in the nation's emerging electric vehicle and battery assembly belt, residents have little incentive to buy the cars many of them will help build. Southern states that have become recipients of some of the biggest EV and battery investments lag-in policies that encourage EV adoption. Cox Automotive Chief Economist Jonathan Smoke says those states especially lag in EV charging infrastructure. There's two types of counties, counties with EVs and counties with no EVs, (laughs) and it's directly related to this. And we're we're having success. We're happy of getting to 8% uh, share this year, marching onward to its path, but we will not get to 30%, 40%, 50% if the average American is not considering an electric vehicle. And I think the charging infrastructure is absolutely key to that. For example, Georgia is one of the top investment recipients. It's attracting $22 billion in EV-related investments from Hyundai, Rivian, SK-On, and LG Energy. But the state ranked second to last on a list of 32 states and the District of Columbia, 
in the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy's State Transportation Electrification Scorecard. The report evaluated state agencies' progress in implementing policies to scale deployment of EVs and build charging infrastructure. 18 states didn't have enough policies to even be officially ranked. And Stellantis says its STLA medium platform will underpin at least 2 million EVs a year and offer a range of up to 435 miles. The platform is one of four electric architectures that Stellantis announced in 2021 when the group was formed after the merger of PSA and Fiat Chrysler automobiles. The others are STLA Small, STLA Large, and STLA Frame. Stellantis released the first details of STLA Medium on Wednesday, with executives emphasizing that it is best-in-class in range, efficiency, and charging time. The group plans to sell only full electric vehicles in Europe by 2030, with a target of 50% EVs in North America by that date. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, the residents of southern states that have received these big EV and battery investments, they have little interest in buying the same EVs that they're building. Now, do you think this is an affordability issue or a cultural issue? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's really a bit of both. You know, on the one hand, EVs are decidedly more expensive to buy than uh, gas-burning vehicles. Maybe some of that cost balances out over time. But the other part is sort of, as you say, cultural or maybe political. States only have so big a budgets, and many of them seem to prioritize either helping their residents, you know, buy more EVs or helping them attract the factories so that they can build them. And that seems to be sort of the way it breaks down. The states that buy the most EVs, for the most part, really don't make any of them. And the ones that make the most don't buy very many. Interesting. Coming up, Brady Erickson, CEO of Finia, joins the show. He'll talk about the company's spinoff from Borg Warner and its new listing on the New York Stock Exchange. That's next on Daily Drive. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lean, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Finia is the spinoff from Borg Warner of its internal combustion engine business. And yesterday, it began trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol PHIN. While the ICE business might seem like the part that's destined to decline as governments and consumers pursue reductions in carbon emissions, CEO Brady Erickson said the company and its technologies have a role to play in helping fight global warming even as the industry moves away from petroleum. Investors seem to like the idea. The shares jumped more than 20% on the first day of trading, ending up at 36.75. That's a stock market valuation of about 
$1.7 billion. I spoke with Erickson yesterday. He was at the New York Stock Exchange in the map room. Brady Erickson, welcome to Daily Drive. Great. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So you just had uh, your uh, launch on the stock exchange. Uh, how big is Finia in terms of revenue and employees, and, and what's your geographic footprint? Sure. We're just over $3.5 billion for this year. We've got over 12,000 employees, nearly 13,000, and we've got 22 manufacturing locations around the world. Are they mostly in North America or Europe? Nope. Or They're scattered all over all over uh, the world, pretty, pretty equally, uh, a little bit more in Europe and North America. Our sales are about 40% North America or America's. 40% Europe and 20% in Asia. Of course, a lot of people, we see a lot of big suppliers uh, split in two with the EV business and the internal combustion engine business. What do you see as the role of Finia and internal combustion engine vehicles generally in the fight against carbon emissions and global warming? Sure. There's a couple of key points uh, that where Finia is a little bit different. The fact that we've got over 50% of our revenues is on the commercial vehicle off-highway and aftermarket space. So our light vehicle exposure is probably not as high as a lot of people expect. The other side of it is that we, we truly feel that with our product portfolio, we're actually going to be able to help our customers you know, achieve carbon neutrality by helping them not only improve their existing products with using traditional fuels, but also working with them on carbon neutral fuels such as ethanol and eventually taking them to carbon free fuels like, like a pure hydrogen. And so we think it's going to take take a, a while to get transitioned over the next decade or so, especially on commercial vehicle and off-highway applications. And we see a lot of applications that, you know, that are going to require a liquefied or a gaseous fuel as a source rather than battery electric because of the use case, the, the amount of load, the operating environment, access to clean energy. We believe that the internal combustion or liquefied uh, or a gaseous fuel is going to be needed for all of us to reach carbon neutrality. So you see hydrogen combustion as a medium to long-term option for heavy trucks? A absolutely. Whether it's hydrogen combustion, I think, is a, is a very robust solution. Uh, hydrogen fuel cells and the control of that as well uh, is also going to be a key. Uh, and we're going to see some markets and applications that aren't going to be able to go to pure electric, and, and they're pursuing you know, 100% ethanol or some other type of, you know, carbon neutral fuel or e-fuel. But hydrogen fuel cells, of course, those are fundamentally electric vehicles. Is that a, a business that Finia sees a, a role in? Absolutely. They still have a lot of, they're still managing and controlling the flow of hydrogen, which is the fuel. The battery is, is it's a much smaller battery, uh, and it's just more of a buffer than the source of, of all the energy. So your energy source is still the hydrogen that's in that fuel cell vehicle not necessarily the electrons, you know, coming from the grid to charge the battery pack. Is Finia profitable out the gate? Absolutely. You know, we've, uh, we had our investor day uh, on June 6th and we gave, you know, some, some guidance for 2025, which is, the, which is the first year that we'll be out of a lot of contract manufacturing, transitional services, and really kind of having clean numbers. And we forecast to have revenues of about 3.7 billion at that point. And uh, you know, EBITDA margins in the 14, 15%. And we're generating, you know, well over $200 million of free cash flow a year uh, that we can use to reinvest in in acquisitions and share repurchases, dividends, uh, and as such to, to really drive shareholder value. What are the biggest threats on the horizon? Of course, a lot of suppliers are concerned about 
UAW strike this fall, maybe that's less of an issue uh, for you with your heavy truck business. But what are the what are the threats? Are they interest rates? Is it consumer confidence, business confidence? Yeah, I mean, it's really just the economy and how the economy in the in the short to midterm is more of our concerns. I think the the light vehicle market still is remaining strong and robust. Uh, our portfolio of products in that space is still growing with the GDI technology because penetration rates of GDI continue to go up. Our our CV and after, uh, aftermarket businesses are still very robust at this point, and so we we feel very confident with our with our current product portfolio. And probably the biggest disruption is going to be some type of economic downturn, depending on how severe it may be. Interest rates are our concern. Uh, they continue to remain high. I think that's going to continue to put stress on over-leveraged competitors and suppliers. Uh, and so their ability to raise additional debt to fund their expansion, you know, is a concern. And, and we're working with our supply base as well to make sure they, they remain, you know, robust. And so I think that's going to continue to be a challenge, especially in, in Europe and the Americas. What is your mix between light vehicle and commercial vehicle? Right now, our light vehicle is about 44% of our revenues. Commercial vehicle, I think, is around 27, and the remaining 33 or so is uh, is independent aftermarket or aftermarket business, so for service. So we've got 56% in that commercial vehicle off-highway and uh, aftermarket business. And so our, our aftermarket business, like, like I said, is about a third of our revenues, which is a good, stable business that's even in economic downturn, that those revenues stay there. And I think that's going to give us a lot more stability than many of our competitors because of the size of that service and independent aftermarket business. Do your workers have union representation? Do you negotiate with the UAW or other unions? Not in North America. Uh, we're relatively small in the in the U.S. with the remanufacturing facility. Uh, we have a few facilities in, in Mexico and, and Brazil. And then, again, most of our locations around the world will have union representation. Uh, depending on the the parts of the world they are, but I think our primary you know effect in North or the U.S. market is going to be our customers uh, and how they uh, work through their challenges. Tell me about the name. Uh, where does Finia come from? What's that supposed to evoke? It actually comes. Obviously, there's a lot of legacy in, uh, of Delphi and a lot of the product lines that we're we're going forward with. Um, and so we started with the the end of Delphi, which is PHI, is our new beginning. You know, and uh, the the Oracle of Delphi had visions of the future. So therefore, future is kind of the, the beginning of it. And then Nia means purposeful or bright. And so therefore, our tagline there is the, the future is bright. Uh, and it was amazing that the Finia.com was available. When you do a search of it, there's no bad words that come up. You know, it, it worked for us and it was a very cost-effective solution that we came up on in, uh, in a few hours and over the weekend. So it worked out well. Uh, so you have been with Borg Warner for more than two decades, uh, the yep. vast majority of your career. What does this spinoff mean you know, to you and to the company? Well, I mean, for us, it's really around uh, getting that independence. Obviously, Borg is laser focused on battery electrification, and, and they're clearly going to be the leaders of, of the tier one suppliers you know, in that space. But we see a lot of opportunity in the combustion side especially around alternative fuels and carbon-free fuels like hydrogen, as well as expanding, you know, our aftermarket business and expanding in our commercial vehicle and off-highway business. So we see our business where they're probably more laser-focused on light vehicle battery electric, 
we're going to be very focused on commercial vehicle, aftermarket, larger gasoline applications, you know, SUVs, trucks that we think are going to be around for a long, long time and helping our customers transition from traditional fuels to carbon-free and carbon-neutral. Brady Erickson is CEO of Finia, the newest uh, member of the New York Stock Exchange. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own David Phillips and Hannah Lutz for their reporting for today's podcast. And a special shout out to Peter Siegel of our sibling publication, Automotive News Europe, for his reporting as well. You can get the latest news on suppliers, sales results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Pied Piper CEO, Fred O'Hagan, about measuring how well top dealership groups handle service calls. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.